right, let's get her going here. The real Kipper and Bourne show. This is the national edition. We are live on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, and Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. It's our real Kipper and Bourne brought to you by Bet365. In a few minutes, we'll welcome in Ian Mendez. Covers the Ottawa Senators for the Athletic. Former Sportsnet broadcaster. Shared a few uh, few road trips. A milkshake? With Ian Mendes. Straws. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah including uh, uh, New Year's Eve in New York City. Oh, yeah? Covering... Uh, you guys go to the ball drop and that... Sea of Humanity. We were close. Did you? <laughs> I, I don't think you pay me to be there. No. <laughs> you couldn't. Um, obviously, uh, we got to touch base uh, on the breaking news of the day, just in terms of, uh, oh, man. Five players told to surrender in connection with the 2018 World Junior Investigation. This was, of course, brought to us by uh, the Globe and Mail. They've been told to surrender in connection with allegations of a sexual assault in June of 2018 to a woman, uh, on a woman by members of the 2018 hockey club. Uh, It's been a while, JB, to the point where a lot of people weren't even sure where this investigation was going. A lot of people. Would there be charges? Would there, well, would there be anything at all? It was almost like it was forgotten. And a lot of people thought maybe this thing could actually just disappear. Mm-hmm. But that, that certainly isn't the case today. Yeah, and I would say in terms of, you know, justice and, you know, the, the woman involved, I'm glad it didn't disappear. Um, I, I guess this is the first step in towards, you know, towards getting things figured out. You know, there has to be an end point at some point, so we got to get started and, you know impossible to anticipate where it's going to go from here and the cascading effects of it but i'm glad to see you know they're they're getting proceedings underway yeah it's like i like i heard merrick say today it's the end of the beginning yeah so it's kind of getting into the meat of it here the london police they let a there's a statement from them today too that we understand there's significant public interest in relation to the sexual assault investigations dating back to 2018 while we are unable to provide an update at this time we anticipate that the london police service will hold a press conference on Monday, February 5th, 2024, to share further details. The location and timing of the press conference will be shared once details are confirmed. Thank you for your patience. So that's not this coming Monday. It's the following Monday, the 5th. Okay. Let's welcome in Ian Mendez, senior writer for The Athletic, based in Ottawa, covering the Senators. Uh, Ian, thanks a lot for joining us. I mean, we're going to talk Ottawa Senators, of course, but just in your thoughts, uh, a lot of people have been waiting one way or the other on, on news or updates. How surprised were you to, to hear the news that uh, the whole hockey world is hearing today? Yeah, Kipper, it, it, it's as you guys were saying, it has taken a long time, right? It's over two years since the, uh, the, the kind of around two years since this story first broke. Um, and what I find really fascinating is the London Police Department has called that press conference for February the 5th. I can't recall too many instances where somebody calls a press conference for 10 days from now. It's usually a little bit more imminent, right, and pressing. So um, 
I, I think we're all trying to be very cautious, try not to connect the dots as obvious as they may seem with where certain players are, what they might be doing. Uh, but it does feel like obviously that there is some sort of break here. And, and we have to give full credit to Robin Doolittle of uh, the Globe and Mail, who has been all over this story uh, from the get-go. Um, and, and really, I think there's been so much attention and so much scrutiny, guys, on this story that the London Police Department can't get this wrong. Uh, and, and for people who are saying maybe this took too long, I think they have no margin for error. There's a tremendous amount of scrutiny on this case. There's going to be a lot of questions, uh, regardless of how this turns out. So I think they had to make sure that they were absolutely 1,000% sure. And I guess we're going to get some answers on, on the 5th of February. Ian, do you think the results of the case matters in terms of uh nhl fallout like what happens for these players or is it just being tied to this at all will have a you know some uh detriment to their careers i'm trying to anticipate you know what this means for the the players involved it's a great question justin because i think right now i think you have to go with a presumption of innocence of everybody involved right i think our our judicial system is predicated on that i think even the National Hockey League, everybody that's involved here, that's what they're going under the assumption. And so um, what I'm interested, you know, what I think is interesting here, guys, is that there's almost like three investigations that are kind of concurrently happening, right? There's the London police investigation. The NHL is at its own investigation and Hockey Canada has had its own investigation. And I think that the latter two, Hockey Canada and the NHL, are simply waiting to hear what the London Police Department says, right? I don't think the NHL wanted to to come out and exonerate anybody only to have the London Police Department say, actually, they're guilty, right? So um, I, I do think that the playing future of any players involved is going to be tied to what comes out of the London Police Department on uh, on the 5th of February. We're talking to Ian Mendes, senior writer for The Athletic. Uh, Ian, I know you've got a, a great rapport with uh, a lot of uh, broadcasters, writers, um, a lot of them, your, your competitors, but do you have a sense on how big this story is about to get from a hockey story to a... Canadian human interest story to international. Like, what are we in for moving forward when it comes to coverage? Yeah, Kipper. No, I think it, it, it's a significant story, right? Because I think you're talking about some of the dynamics that are so ingrained in Canadian culture, right? There's hockey, there's hockey culture, there's power dynamics, there's money, there's influential people. There's all the elements for, I think, um, uh, public interest to be at its height uh, at its high point here and and remember when you go back to the summer of 2022 and you saw all of those sponsors leaving th- these were big sponsors right these are the canadian tires and the scotia banks and like these are some of the biggest sponsors in canada with the deepest pockets saying we're not going to uh we're not going to stand by and support this with hockey canada so i think guys this thing sort of came in waves, right? And I think the summer of 2022, it was at a high point. It kind of went away. My anticipation is we're about to hit another high point here. And, and I think all of, you know, hockey Canada will be in for another reckoning. Um, You know, the the players involved will be in a reckoning. There's going to be a lot of questions. And I do think that this is going to be, what did Merrick say? This is the, uh, 
the end of the beginning type of thing. And that's that's probably a good way of phrasing it is that um, I do think that we're into the next phase here and it's 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 going to have a tremendous amount of interest in the public here in, in Canada. Well, I'll stick to uh, Ian Mendes in The Athletic. Stick to sportsnet.ca for uh, the latest on uh, this developing story. In the meantime, uh, you had a chance to kind of hang out with uh, new owner Michael Anlauer. Yeah. Uh, prior to the Montreal Canadian game. Not often, Ian, that writers or broadcasters get to hang out with owners uh, at any time at all. So I know you wrote about it uh, in The Athletic, but uh, share a little light on that experience. Yeah, and, you know, I, I reached out to Michael Landlauer, guys, because last night was his first game in the Bell Centre as the owner of the Ottawa Senators, and this is a guy who is a diehard born and bred Montreal Canadiens fan. So not even, like, strip aside the fact that Michael Athlauer was a minority owner of the Montreal Canadiens. This guy grew up as a diehard Montreal Canadiens fan. So last night was the first time he was ever in that building and cheering against the Habs. And so I, I loved it. So, you know, Michael Athlauer for years, guys, had three season tickets right at the corner of the Zamboni at the Bell Centre. And obviously when he sold his share of the team and he got rid of those season tickets, he went to Jeff Molson and he said, I got one request on the night when Ottawa comes back for the first time, I want my old seats back. And so he sat there and I'm sure if you watched the highlights last night, uh, you would have seen Michael Landlauer on the glass, pounding the glass, celebrating. Those were his old seats that he used to sit in cheering for the Habs for years and last night he cheered for Mon- uh, for Ottawa and and they pulled out the win so he you know it was a great conversation with him he was gracious enough on a night where I think he had some emotions going through him to spend some time with me and and just kind of walk me through what it's like to be a diehard fan of a team for 50-ish years and then suddenly at the snap of a finger switch allegiances yeah, that's a super uncommon, weird scenario. It's crazy that he uh, would want to do that and follow through, and they did. That's that's yeah. super cool. So give us the status of his team. What's going on? They win a couple of hockey games here. Oh. I mean, just what a strange year versus expectations. Where are things at, Ian? Yeah, it, it's really crazy the way that this season is is gone. And, and right now they're at a point where they've got five of their last six points. And this was a really fun trip. I I was in Philadelphia for the return of Shane Pinto and all of the moms were on this trip. And you might've seen some of this kind of going viral, but there's a great, this is probably the best vibe around this team all season. And yet you still look at the standings and they're in last place, right? In the, in the conference and last place in the division, but it does feel different. Uh, There's a little bit more structure. Claude Giroux told us after the game last night uh, and Jake Sanderson too, that, you know, a few weeks ago, if they were in the lead, they'd get super nervous. And so they, you know, they'd be up by one and all of a sudden they'd squeeze the sticks and the game would get away from them. And that was going on for a long time. And they say that they've been able to calm down a little bit. And and I think that there, there's a little bit of credit that goes to Jacques Martin. It's just his personality is very calming. He's, you know, behind the bench. Daniel Alfredson's been doing a lot too. So I think you're starting to see a little bit of the Jacques Martin, Daniel Alfredson, kind of their fingerprints on this team. And they're playing good hockey. Now, granted, in the last week or so, they've beaten Montreal twice, San Jose, you know, Philadelphia. So not necessarily the best teams in the league, but but they hung tough with Winnipeg on the weekend. They scratched a point out of them. But now you look at the schedule, they got Boston tomorrow, 
and the Rangers on Saturday. So maybe we'll have a better idea if they've actually legit turned a corner Mm -hmm. by the time they play that game on Saturday. And where is the fan base? Because there is so much uh, positive vibes with a new ownership group, a new billionaire is going to come in, and we're not going to have to hear nickels and dime stories anymore. And here you are right around Christmas, now the All-Star break, and the sense is that can we get hot? Can we get ourselves back in a race? Or we're in a position where we just got to play 40-plus games thinking that we got to get ready for next season? Yeah, Kipper, I think it's the latter, to be honest. Like, like you can't – and I I think if you're a player, you go in with the mindset of, hey, until we're eliminated, we have a chance. But I think from a fan's perspective – uh, the ship has probably sailed. Like, they would need a Hamburglar 2.0 run. Like, the, the year that Andrew Hammond took them on, he went, like, 20 wins, one loss. That's what they would need in order to get back to the playoffs. So, I don't see them replicating that. So, for the fans, I think they're just looking for some stability. They want to know kind of who can you win with. Uh, I, I do think that there's a feeling that they can't run it back with the same group. You know what I mean? Like, like even if they played really well down the stretch, I think there's been too many years here where this team has lost games to start the year. Like the the act has been the same. So maybe it's time to change one character or two. And I'm not talking about Brady Kachuk or Timmy Stutzler or Jake Sanderson. I think those guys are untouchable. But I do think that the fans would be open to the idea of, okay, like if you play well down the stretch, that's great. But we've learned that that doesn't necessarily carry over. I think they'll have a new coach to start next season, and I think maybe a roster move as well. If if those two things are done and they look a little bit better down the stretch, I think fans will be happy. I just don't think that there's a a playoff spot uh, in in the cards for this team. In talking to a couple of my Senators buddies, their concern is that, you know, you turn it around and you start to win some games. Okay, so you make the draft pick a little bit worse or or whatever. But in the process, you trade away guys who help. Like Jacob Chikrin is a name that has come up. Or, you know, we, we've, we've mentioned Shabbat, not that that's really, you know, just potential, you know, changes they could make. You know, you need good players to win games. And I think the temptation to sell for teams when it's tough to get these guys. What are your thoughts on heading towards the trade deadline, what they will do? Uh, you know, Chikrin to me, and I had a great conversation with Jacob Chikrin in Montreal. And look, guys, I want to say something. He was really, he's been really disappointed and hurt. I, he understands it, why his name's in the trade rumor mill. Like, right. don't get me wrong. He knows. He gets it. He's a smart guy. He, what he doesn't like is that there's people suggesting that he doesn't like Ottawa. Right. And that he doesn't like being there. So he just wanted to correct that. And he was pretty adamant that, look, I love it in Ottawa. I, I'm living five minutes from my sister, 10 minutes from my grandpa. Like, this is an awesome setup for me. I love it. So that part of it, notwithstanding, I do think where it's going to be interesting for Steve Steos and Dave Poulin is they have three, and not to get too into the weeds here, but they have three left-shot defensemen, all of whom are kind of premium players. You're paying $8 million to Jake Sanderson, $8 million to Thomas Shabbat, and Jacob Chickren has a year and a bit left at 4.6 and theoretically he's going to need more money right yeah. so yeah. can you can you guys think of a team in the NHL that pays three defensemen 8 million dollars each and they all play on the same side okay ian hold on for a second though sorry i don't want to cut you off but like i, I know it was pierre dorian that traded for him but we all saw that coming so like what was yeah. he thinking it's a great question, Kipper. And the thought was one of them 
would play on their offside. Uh, be it, and, and I think the feeling was Chikrin. It just hasn't worked. Shabbat and Chikrin have played together. It hasn't been a great pairing. Uh, Sanderson's been good with Artem Zub, but they just, it, it feels like almost the old uh, square peg round hole with Chikrin. And, but somebody's got to go. And I'm not saying it's Chikrin. I, I, I'm just saying somebody amongst that group of left-handed shots is probably mm-hmm. going to have to go. And I'm not moving Jake Sanderson if I'm, if I'm Steve Stales. Yeah, it kind of puts you in a, a little bit of a logjam there. Um, you know, you talk about not being able to really look at this as a year. You make a push for playoffs or whatever, and that's really unfortunate because I believe they have enough talent there to have done more than they did. Did they wait too long to make the coaching move? And and to add on to that, is there any chance they don't change the coaching staff that they have in there now? Yeah, I boy, it's a the hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But I think what's frustrating for Ottawa fans, guys, is that the story of this of this this season in October, November, that was the story of last season and the season before mm-hmm. and the season before that. Like every year, this team would come out and they'd win four of their first fifteen games. They'd submarine their their playoff chances right away. Then they would play really well. So this year, when they did the same thing and they face planted out of the gate. I do think that there was an appetite from the fan base to change it out. Where I think there was an issue was that Mike Andlauer and Steve Stales felt like they just showed up the first week of October. They were trying to just dip their foot into the pool, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And Ottawa fans were like ready for the cannonball in the middle of the pool. (laughs) So there there was a disconnect there. And finally, we got to the middle of December and it became a, a... you know, the situation was untenable for DJ Smith moving forward. The fan base was all over him. There was a lot of problems. So they had to let him go. But in hindsight, yes, I think all things being equal, if Mike Andlauer took over the team in June, I think maybe he would have a little bit more of a chance to come in and, you know, say, I'm going to make some changes and, and do what I wanted to do. But he didn't really have that opportunity. And he, he, he waited for two months into the season. And, and unfortunately for Ottawa fans, they've seen that movie, you know, three or four years in a row. And where would this team be if they just had better goaltending? That's it. Fair. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I bet you if you injected DJ Smith, actually, you probably wouldn't have to inject him with truth serum. You could probably just ask him off the record. What, Like, DJ, what's the biggest reason why you're out of a job right now? I think he would say goaltending. And, and that's where I will defend him. He's got a lot of people that have said, he ran a loose program and he didn't hold people accountable and whatever, but boy, oh boy, he just didn't get help from goaltending. And, and it's part of the problem. And you're getting an 880 save percentage. I think on most nights when he was there, that's not good enough to win. Uh, Corpus has been a lot better lately, but yeah, absolutely. And and I think the issue too, for DJ Smith, if you go through his tenure, like he, they, they, they had Matt Murray, they had Phil Gustafson, they had Cam Talbot, they had now it's it's Corpusalo. It's not like they just had one goalie. It's like five or six goalies struggled right under the system. And at some point, you have to say, okay, let's change out the coach. But yeah, absolutely, I think goaltending was a huge factor. Okay, just one more on on the goaltending. There's only one that had signed a five year, yeah, four million dollar contract. It's like that that contract ain't going away anytime soon here. So is he playing now for? for the thought that you could still be our guy come next uh, October. Isn't it remarkable that three months into his 
five-year deal we're having this conversation and i'm not going to suggest that this is like jack campbell like but it can be but but it could be a little bit yeah absolutely it could be it could be uh i don't think they're at that point yet but you know he's been up and down but again that's also a function of the team has been up and down in front of him and he's looked a lot better in the last week or so and the team has looked a lot better. So there's absolutely some room. And look, the cap hit is $4 million. It's not five. It's not five and a half. But still, like I think if you went back to J- July 1st and you asked people, what was the biggest kind of, what was the contract that made you, you, your eyes pop out the most? I think the term on Corpusella was the one for a lot of people. And it was a gamble. It was a risk. And so far it hasn't looked good, but, but he has played a lot better here in the last, in the last week or so. It was a gamble. Um, I was going to ask you about um, Shane Pinto. I didn't even mean to do that. I swear. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, so he's come back for two games. He's been very good. Um, I, I think, you know, you would expect. What have you seen out of him through two games, and where does that go? Is this a guy that they'll want to see a run of games from before they sign his next contract, or is it, would that be underway already? Well, it's – yeah, I think they had talks. Like, like in, in talking to Shane, they absolutely – it sounded like they, they – discuss the idea of longer term, whatever. But I think for the here and now, he was like, I just want to get up and running. Let's just do the one-year deal. But this is going to be really interesting. We talked about a log jam for Ottawa on defense. Um, they also have an interesting situation at center ice where Tim Stutzla is their, their locked-in number one guy, but they got Norris, they got Pinto, they got Ridley Gregg. Like, those are four. They've never really had a stretch of games with all four go- of those guys in the lineup. And what are the what are the puzzle pieces look like? So I'm curious, like if you're Pinto, if you sign a long term deal, my guess is they're paying you to only be a number three center, right? Mm-hmm. Because Norris and Stutzler are ahead of you. If you're Pinto, do you want to pigeonhole yourself into that? I that's what I would wonder. So um he's looked really good. Guys, he's so responsible defensively. Uh the kids only played a hundred games in the NHL. He is a really smart two hundred foot player, always supporting the play always just the right place the right time wins face-offs uh, he's your prototypical two three centerman and i i just don't know where all again all the puzzle pieces fit but the the irony in all of this is auto is capped out uh they have no uh you know real farm system and they're not in a playoff spot like it's kind of it's kind of nuts when you when you think about it in in the big yeah. picture but 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 they were able to get pinto in without having to do too many uh, cap gymnastics there. And as far as Steos is concerned, he's not scared at all to tell a- anybody that he'd like to kind of shake it up. He He's looking for something that can just maybe jolt this team into something that could get out of the gate real strong next October. So you yeah. you tell me who that is. There's a lot of young pieces here, and some of them are making really good money, but... If there was one that could move, who would you trade? Would you move, you know, uh, Batherson? Would you move Norris? Like, who who are we talking about to jolt? Yeah, and, and, and like I said, I wouldn't move Stutzla, I wouldn't move Kachuk, and I wouldn't move Sanderson. Like, those, for me, if I'm in Steve Steos' chair, those are my untouchables. Uh, Batherson at 4.9 million when he's playing well, it's a really good contract. He's super, uh, uh, skilled guy when he's going at under 5 million, he gives you top six, uh, production. I'd be hesitant to trade him based on the cap hit, 
to me, it comes down to Shabbat and Chikrin. It really does. Like, to me, that's the conundrum. That's the, the room. And they have to make a decision. And this is why I think Steve Stales and Dave Poulin are in an advantageous situation. They can make a move here with either of those guys or any guy. They're not emotionally attached to anybody. They didn't sign any of these guys. They didn't draft any of these guys. They didn't trade for anybody. As you guys know, general managers, you can sometimes become – you almost – get guilty of falling in love with players when you draft them and you sign them and, and you become emotionally invested. Steve and Dave are not um, invested emotionally in any of these guys. But if you're asking me, I think it comes down to those two and they have to make an organizational decision. Do they see Chikrin as their guy or Shabbat as their guy? And if the answer is one or the other, you trade them this summer. Shabbat, by the way, guys, has a no trade clause that kicks in July 1st. Ooh. Something to watch for. Yeah. Hey, Ian, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Just prior to you coming on, I told the guys that we kind of hung out with each other every once in a while uh, here at oh. Sportsnet. And New-, New Year's Eve. Well, I, I listen, you. Um, you always had that night. <laughs> uh, when, when, when I was in the mix with my group to buy the Ottawa Senators, Ian put out a story about me and him where I, yes. I bought him lunch New Year's Day, and he – and he told this story, and I, I just want to say, in in the future, do not, do not tweet anything that remotely describes me as being nice, please. <laughs> you're ruining, you're ruining my reputation. You I'm are evolving. You're one of the nice guys, and you know it, and everyone knows <laughs> it. That, that's worked with you. So, hey, Ian, great stuff, yeah. man. Thanks for doing <laughs> Thanks, this. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate yeah. it, man. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. Wow, that's good stuff right there on the Ottawa Senators. Just in terms of. Uh, what, what would you do? Well, you know, I, I am a believer in a lot of the players in Ottawa. I really love watching Stusla play, um, you know, love Brady Kachuk. I just, I like a lot of what they have. I don't think trading Jacob Chikorin helps you. The Shabbat thing's interesting. I understand what he's talking about with, you know, it's a lot of money on one side of your but D. I don't know, man. It's just losing environments lead to yeah. bad choices. Yeah, totally. And... It's a losing environment. They've been losing for a long time. And uh, one of those guys goes. They're all really good. I, I never. How do you replace? I never understood Pierre Dorian's push for Chikrin when you had Sanderson, Shabbat, um, like, like Ian said, three guys that kind of play this a similar type of role. Yeah, and same side. It reminded me exactly of San Jose going and getting Eric Carlson. Yeah, when you had Brent Burns. When you had Brent Burns leading the way. So it it's a it's a chemistry thing. I, I think not, a lot of this That's you a know, good comparison, kid. It, like it, it is. just you bring in a guy that's the exact same thing, what are the guys thinking? And you know, maybe the thinking is, hey, you know, we could trade this guy if we had to again or something, but you know, maybe the more I think about like, it, Chikrin does make sense for them. Shabbat to and Chikrin, like they both want the puck. Yeah. They both want to go. It's like both top power play unit kind of guys. Just, it's a chemistry thing. It's not a talent thing. Ottawa's close, man. For a team that's dead last. <laughs> you know, I, I don't would lo- say they're not but close. I, I don't look at Columbus or San Jose I, or Chicago and go a couple pieces. Well, we'll talk about Columbus a little bit more in news and notes with their loss to the Edmonton Oilers last night. But I don't I don't hate the Jackets. Jackets are dusty. Ah, uh, they got some guys. Anyways, you want to hear some game time? Some guys. They got game time? It's game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. 
So a couple of them I'm looking at tonight. If you like the Winnipeg Jets in this game, they're undermanned. Uh, obviously, Shifley's out. Plus 125. Leafs are huge favorites on home ice. On minus 150. Planet. Leafs are minus really? 150. Are the Leafs, Leafs favorite? are favorite? Big, yeah, minus 150. Pretty pretty on sizable favorite. Planet. Are they still favorites to win the Stanley Cup? No, I, I can check who's still favorite. <laughs> I don't know if who the, I can check the favorite on that. a gambling mind, you wouldn't mm-hmm. bet a dollar on the Leafs in that game. So they're minus 150. Uh, yeah, I would recommend that. They could obviously win, but that's not yes. a good number. It's getting great. Jets as it's underdogs. great value yeah. on the Jets, who are one of the best teams in the league, coming in Toronto, who love playing in Toronto. Um, and one of the other ones I'm looking at here, uh, where did I have it? I like um, the Boston Bruins against the Carolina Hurricanes on home ice. Loved the way the Bruins looked the other night against the Jets. I just think they're they're just humming along again. They look so good. Still not sold in Carolina. They're minus 140, not that huge a number, but I do don't usually take favorites like that, but I do like the Bruins a lot on home ice tonight. Carolina had a goalie. Did they claim Spencer Martin? Was that them that did that? And your answer, Kipper, for who do you think the favorite for the Stanley Cup is according to Bet365? Yes, they did claim Uh, Spencer Martin. Last time I got it right, it was Vegas, was I... No? I think it's the Edmonton Oilers. Have you looked? Have they snuck in there? The Edmonton Oilers are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup at plus 750. You obviously have to to take in some, like, hey, they're hot right now. Let's get your money kind of thing. Like, it's it's all top of mind. But for them to put that at plus 750 is crazy. And guess who the second favorite is? Not the Leafs. Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, the the top two favorites are Vancouver and Edmonton. Boston's plus eight fifty, and then you have the Jets at nine to one. So in the top three favorites, according to Bet three six, in the top four favorites, according to Bet three six five, three of them are Canadian teams. What are the Leafs? The Leafs are down the list, fellas. Plus Je- seventeen hundred. Uh, Jeff five there. Colorado or Dallas? Uh, Colorado is plus nine hundred. Dallas is ten to one. Kip. All right, so, there you go. I'm looking it, down. Can, There's not a ton of value outside of that. Like it really. Can I tell you my theory on these Stanley Cup bets? Mm. is that you don't tend to get a ton more value by placing these bets early. Like, going into playoffs, you'll still get comparable odds, generally. Mm-hmm. So I tend to wait on And uh, just at the President's Trophy, favorites, too, the Boston Bruins at plus 275, Canucks plus 350, and Jets plus 400. So there you go for the President's Trophy. All righty. Uh, and that was Game Time, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19+. plus. Ontario only. Please play responsibly. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some news and notes, including expansion. What? Yes. What? I'm telling you. There's just so many good players in the league. I I think we need another team. It is out there. Buddy, you're up. It is. You're next in. The the talk is out there. Let me tell you from a guy who played at the E-Center in Salt Lake City, I got thoughts. Oh. You've got thoughts. All right, there's... uh, Gerard Gallant thoughts. There's the Oilers and their record-breaking goaltender, Skinner. There's the Calgary Flames, Oof. their playoff aspirations. Bad L last night for them. Bye-bye, bye-bye. No. no, not yet. But Not, not yet. Good. Okay, Let's plenty more. The break. Plenty more after the break. Listen to these commercials so we can pay our bills, and we're back after this. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. We're talking expansion. Why? Uh, because the Utah Jazz wow. owner expressed a desire for the NHL <laughs> to bring a team to Utah. So you can just do that? I don't I'll, I'm going to go be like, yeah, I, I don't know anything, okay. but I desire another one in Toronto. Right. Is that allowed? I do, yeah, how about, yeah, the uh, the West End Weapons. <laughs> Play at uh, Rennie Park. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Like, how about, Let's play the, like, did you ever notice game that, like, I don't know, is, is it a coincidence that this story's out the same day that... Uh, Listen, I'm glad you said it. You know, let's yeah, be honest great, here. Great right? observation. Canada stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad is you it, said it. Is, it. is it a coincidence? Because people are saying it, so I'm glad that's being represented here. However, it can be other things are happening at yeah. the same time. For sure. Like, I don't think maybe. it's, it's re, you know, impossible that, like, this news, it's just news about, that came out in the same day. I think it's an excellent theory, Kipper. How's that sound? Yeah. That you're right. It's just a crazy tinfoil hat, like, to be like, all right, news is coming out. We need something. What do we got? Expansion in Salt Lake City. Like, there's got to be meat to this. Uh, you you got to dig up a better story than that for to cover something up, like, what's going on. Like, it's not, uh, uh, no one cares about expansion. I'm not a conspiracy theory. Can't do it. All right. I think there's. No, no, listen. It. It's coming. What it's is, real. Expansion? expansion. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they're going to 34 teams. Ugh. They can't. There's yeah, not enough can. good players. There's not enough good players. And you know what? Fans can't Listen, even follow the league anymore. You can't have 500 teams. They're going to send scouts to Sammy's games now. Who are the Zags? If, we pick it up. It doesn't matter. Matty Hughes can fly. Matty Hughes, you can they, play the West End Weapons. He can fly. They don't care about how Quality great. Quality of the product? <laughs> Listen, you're going to find players to play. It might be on some nights. It might not be very pretty to watch, but I'd have had a they want. They we're talking about the owners want over the money. two billion dollars on mm-hmm. the table for to two, split two teams against uh, to split with thirty two teams. Yep, you'd have played second line at least your whole career in a thirty four team league. Yeah, the building might have been empty, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't care. No, you'd be making that second line money. <laughs> But seventeen goals in a twenty-one team league, you'd be a you'd be a rich man. If only there was a semi-failing hockey team that played in a college arena that they can't find a ring somewhere that you could move to Salt Lake City. Yeah. If only there were one like that. Great observation. I got to tell you, I think players would be falling all over themselves to go play in Salt Lake City. Really? Really? Well, I I mean, isn't it a kind of a dry place? Well, it depends if you like to have fun or not. If you're a a family man, you'd love to live there. Buddy, listen, I just went and watched a hockey game in Vegas. Yeah. I'd like to play there, please. Yeah, well, young guy, I can (laughs) see that for sure. You you know, when I was in Utah, you have to be a member at the bar to enter it. So you have to pay like your 10 buck membership fee to get a card or whatever. You can't order a double. Like, so they give you a sidecar of alcohol to pour in your own drink, and the bars close at 10. So or 11, wants, sorry. Who wants to play there? Slavin? No, here's, that's the thing, is that it's not, it's not for partiers. Yeah. But for a family man, what a great place to live. It's beautiful. So it's you got to have a high-character team So to play what there. you're yes. saying is this team will have 23, 35-year-olds. <laughs> and Vegas is going to have 35, 23-year-olds? that work? Yes. Pretty, pretty much. I'm telling you, it's a great uh, family environment. But I, I don't, place to play I don't mind. I really don't mind Salt Lake City as a, hey, let's try it. Like yeah. the Atlanta thing to me, 
is the most offensive right, thing ever. They're, they're building an arena. City. No. No more arenas. No, no, it's coming. Stop that. It's coming. Stop. One more thing on Salt Lake City. I'm starting to believe Atlanta's coming back. Oh. I suppose it's I Salt Lake City. Second most sunny days of any city in the U.S. outside Phoenix. Arena in Atlanta? Do you think you think Atlanta's Yeah, real? They're, they're, it's it's coming. So Salt Lake and Atlanta? Well, what was that you said there? I don't know. Houston. Second most sunny days per year in, Where? in Salt Lake City. What? The sunny, sunny place. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The city of Houston's in name US, is out there as well. So to your point, do you move Arizona up to Utah and then and then slide in two more teams? Oh my god. What? So we're gonna trade Arizona to Air, Utah. We're gonna yes. add Atlanta, Atlanta and then we're gonna add Houston. Quebec City can just go kick rock. Can I, I, I not to get the oh, like great that. observation drop ready again here, but like if only there was a country just north of America that, that really loved no, this sport. No, you know what I what heard? Would that, what would I, that be I, like? More teams in that country? I had heard that like the league looks at Canada and says, we've got seven. And we only have 25 in the U.S. So hold And they on, don't though. think 25 is enough to cover the U.S. So what about... The second team in Toronto theory, which you know we've kicked around yeah. a little bit in the past, yeah. that, that'll come. That'll come That's around. Team thirty-five, you think? Mm. We don't know where a few other teams might be yeah. in the equation either by then. But we're talking about something that might be, I don't know, two or three years from deciding. But yeah, it's out there because we've got this question mark on what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to look like in two or three years with ownership between Bell and Rogers. Yeah. If there's if there's a, a potential split down the road, <laughs> then you start trading pieces. Yeah. Does one end up with the Leafs and the other one says, okay, maybe a second team? Does a side go, um, can we have a baseball team too in Montreal? Mm. So... Yeah, you look at, like, Bell getting their own versions of whatever. Yeah. Got, got yeah. two great texts contributing to this, okay. which I love. He said, I hope Atlanta comes back to the NHL. It's the only way Quebec City will ever get a team when, inev- when Atlanta inevitably moves. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right? Good point. That's good. And so, uh, George Oakville says, but what about a tiering, like, a premiership league? Yeah. yeah. 24 and one. Yeah. And a bunch in the other. Just so sold. You couldn't sell me harder on that. Like, it's still the, the NHL. Never do it. It's still the NHL. Yeah. But there's tier one, tier two. Yeah, league yeah, I listen so it, in three or five years, like who knows what this league's you gonna have look two like. Leagues, easy. Yeah, but one I mean, that's good what one, one bad one. supposed to be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess you're right. You just need to relegate San Jose and call up quick Google. Good American League team X. I don't know. Or, yeah, I don't know who they are. Peoria still have a team? Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what's the Sound Tigers? Are they still have a team? Sound Tigers. Yeah, call them up. for them, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to uh, Alberta. Where do you guys want to go, Edmonton or Calgary? I think we should probably talk about Edmonton winning 14 games yeah. in a row. Yeah, it's, uh, it's impressive. I will say Columbus took it to them for two periods. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anything, and then Columbus did what they always do in the third period, and they blew it. But I came away from watching that game, and I watched them play the Leafs earlier in this year a couple times. They're not that far away from being a competitive team, Columbus. Like, they have some players in that team that are really... That Fantilli is oh, unbelievable. Just unbelievable. stop it for I know, a second. I know, what? I know. 
Okay. They play. Everyone has a cup. Can we see if the current players still want to Johnny, be there Johnny in, Gaudreau, a, in two years? Johnny Gaudreau is having a down year, but he doesn't suck. He had moments in that game. Like I'm telling you, they're not. They're not terrible. We can't go. Boone Jenner's a hard guy to take play against. Three steps without hearing another player wants to leave the Columbus Blue Jackets. I just don't think they suck that bad. Counterpoint: Yes, they do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they can play. They can score. They have offensive talent. They've like they're they a flashy, fun team to watch. Your tier two NHL for sure. in a for few sure. years for sure. Yeah. Okay, they could be the twenty fifth best team. I you know I just I've watched them a few times this year and I've been impressed with their talent. I know. I'm, I'm being unnecessarily ridiculous. I like Voronkov. I, I think he's a good young player, yeah. and then Chinnikov's all right too. But I just feel like everyone has a couple guys. That's all. Fantilli should be rookie of the year. He's amazing. He is really. Should amazing. we be talking about uh, Stu Skinner? Uh, and his turnaround since what they sent Jack Campbell to the minors. What are they? And just now unplug uh, him and plug him back in. Like what just, happened? You know, breaking Grant Fuhr records and eleven straight wins for Skinner. Yeah, which breaks Fuhr's record. Wow. I, I, I don't know. That's one of the more inexplicable things ever. He was dreadful at the start of the year. I can't believe Jack Campbell hasn't got another sniff. I I don't know. I haven't checked in on his uh, game logs in I've the minors. Heard he's playing well. Really? Yeah. So, but if I'm them, I ain't screwing with this. No. Like, you're, I mean, I guess you could call him up to be the backup goalie and play him the same amount you play Pickard or whatever, if that's how you want to do it. But you don't do anything. Well, I guess they just signed Corey Perry. So, but you, you don't want to do anything to upset this streak. Yeah. But man. Let me give you Jack Campbell's last four games 939, 944, 941, 931. Those are last quite quality numbers. Four AHL starts. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get Jack back in the league. Yeah? What's the rush? <laughs> Skinner is, like, he kept them in that game. They, that could have been 6-1 in the second period. He was really, really good. Dude, he looks so good against the Leafs. He made What's, uh, so what, what do the Oilers have on top here to close out? They go to Chicago comes there, and then they play Nashville, I yeah. think. Okay. You got it. So, so both at home. Both Chicago at home. and Nashville at home. There's a real good chance this thing can keep going here. Yeah. And can we not have the all-star break? Yeah, they would love to keep going. Uh, I guess Corey Perry will get in conceivably the Saturday night before the all-star break against the Predators. Imagine they lose that one first game. Yeah. yeah. Imagine. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can see it. <laughs> uh, the Calgary Flames, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow, blowing a lead. And, it is. And listen, it's got to be inevitable now just in terms of what pieces you want to move off of. But they got to prep now. Think so? Yeah. I mean, the West is almost set, you know, basically a little battle for Arizona and St. Louis, maybe Seattle to try to find their way in there. But, you know, the, the Flames are they're lagging a bit here. And if they are going to make moves, I mean, you should – Kind of sooner the the better, right? Yeah, that one hurt. That one hurt. Uh, yeah, against a team that you're yeah. kind of in the hunt with there. Directed with, yeah. Where are you on Noah Hannafin in Calgary? Do you sign him or you do not sign him? So I'm a big, um, I don't believe in tanking outright. And I think he's a good, a really good player. I, I think you do sign him. You know, I, I would love to see teams say, we don't want to give Noah Hannafin eight years. He thinks he's worth seven or eight million. We're going to give him nine million times five or something. You know, like, Ooh. you know, I'm just saying keep a guy, yeah, I know. but not give him an eight year contract like they tend to do with everyone. 
But in this case, it might be okay. And I only say that because I think he's one of the younger UFAs. Yeah. Like, it's not like he's 30. No. He was Marner's draft. Right? Yeah. yeah that's who I wanted them to take. Yeah. So, it's not crazy. Like, he's... Yeah, it's hard to believe, but he's just 26 years old. Is he 26? Yes. So even if he gave him an eight-year eight. deal, you're, you're right. You're right. It's, you're right. It's not the end of the world, yeah, and you need in that case. To your right. point, you need players. You need them, and he is a legit twenty-minute minute muncher. And what do you think the career peak age-wise of defenseman is? I bet you don't think it's younger than twenty-six. I would say probably hitting their stride around 27, 28 yeah. would be exactly the right. point. So if you, you know, if you're placing the bet on getting the prime of Hannafin's career for $8 million, yeah. bucks, I'd make that bet. Like, and he's, like I said, he's uh, 26 now. He fits into the younger mold still yeah. of your, your next up-and-comers. Yeah, I'm going to take that back on Hannafin. That was a bad contract by me. I've been fired by myself, and I'm hiring <laughs> Nick Kiprios. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy to give eight, eight years to, after all. I'm going to sell you some Swampland I'm convincible. That's that's my strength. Is I'm uh, I listen, change my opinion. <laughs> I yeah. All right. Uh, I don't have a great feel for Hannafin's game, really. Like he's never like he's never been a obviously he's a pretty good NHL. He's been around a while. He's it's just to me, I would be scared to give him a long contract. It's not going to kill you, but he just listen. I, I think he's one of those guys where you can safely say that he'll never win a Norris. Yeah. So don't pay him like he's going to win a Norris. Right. And there is a, a group of guys that we say are still good. But, yeah. and Morgan Riley may be one of those guys in, in Toronto. And here he is the number one guy. Mm-hmm. But do you believe that Morgan Riley has ever a chance to, to win a Norris? Maybe if the stars are aligned, but he's got to be surrounded some by some eagles that can really soar around him yeah. on that blue line. Yeah, I think... I think Hannafin has all the tools. I, yeah. I don't think he has the hockey IQ to be quite that level. Right. Top, I think Morgan Riley's guy, but... better than Hannafin, though. Yes, I do too. For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm with you. But I, you know, I don't comparison. know what skills contest Jacob, if he would win against Hannafin. J- yeah. I've, I got, I've got Jacob Chikrin from, in Ottawa right now in the same place as I do Hannafin where, listen, he, you can find some warts in his defensive game. But the guy's going to play 20 minutes, 22 minutes every night for the next Everybody's five, seven years. Dying to get good D. And, and, and the big thing for Calgary and Ottawa, well, I mean, not Ottawa, but Calgary is if you, if you let him walk out the door when he leaves, like who's coming back in and right. taking those 22 minutes? And how much do you have to pay and that guy? You have to pay the next yeah, guy five, six million dollars anyway to get less than you were going to get from Hannafin. So take him. I'm sure that's where Calgary is at, that they would. It's just if I'm Hannafin and I look at where the group is at and where it's going, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Calgary. And, and we've heard sometimes he wants to sign there. Sometimes he doesn't want to sign there. Yeah. He's American. Does he want to go back home? Does he not? But like anything else, Throw him a number, fifty yeah. million, fifty-five, and now you get him to start picking the contract and not the city. Yeah, no, I like that too. And there is, uh, you know, a couple million bucks that changed a lot of minds. So, pay him a couple extra. Uh, Mrazek got paid now. The latest in the line of what did he get? Yeah, I think four point two five for two two years. Not per year. Yeah, per year. 
This guy has to have made the most money of a not good NHL goalie the last five years. Listen, they're just they're just overpaying. He's never going to get that anywhere else in the league. Four point five for two no, years. Sorry, it's four, it's a two year eight point five million dollar contract. So four two five per year. He's never going to get four point two five anywhere else. So are they just anticipating sucking for three more years? Like they're just going to waste yes. these years of Bedard. Two. Two more years of suckage seems yes. to be the commitments. That's and we're overpaying for two that's years. That's Felino contract. That's Mrazek. That's two. wrong to me. That's wrong they're, to they're me. They're saying to Bedard, we're, here's where we're at for two more years. We're, paying, we're, we're doing the salary floor thing. How many years did the Penguins suck with Sid? Couldn't have been more than one. Yeah. Oilers sucked for a while. With Matt, Matthew's rookie year, didn't they make the playoffs? They did make the playoffs. I, I just think... Like it's, I'm watching it with Wembenyama in the NBA where what do they have, six wins now? Spurs are awful. Yeah. Like, they're unwatchable, terrible team. And they surrounded him with nothing. It's like, you don't want to waste years of Bedard yeah. where it's or like... Help him get better. Help God. him get better. Like, put some guys around him. You're just admitting you're going to stink for a couple of years? I don't know. Depressing. It's a bad look to me. All right, seven games on tap, including Winnipeg, Toronto, and Vancouver. Three Canadian teams. Give me a score, Winnipeg and Toronto, boys. Uh, Leafs hmm. are going to find a way to get it to overtime and then have their hearts broken. Uh, <laughs> four to three. Oh, they get back in the beloved loser point four category? Four to three. Yeah. You're goals. giving three against uh, uh, three. But not four. But not four against Alabama. <laughs> against Winnipeg. Yeah. Sammy? Three, two Jets. All right. Regulation. Vancouver, St. Louis? Vancouver, Vancouver wins 50 a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pick your game, watch it, enjoy it, because you know where you're going to find us. Same time tomorrow on The Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Our thanks to Ian Mendez, Ken Weeb. Great stuff. And if you get a chance, give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. We're back again tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody.